Hi, thank you for spending time with us today discussing animal behavior, training, and healthcare. Dogs, cats, horses, we love them all, as do you. My name is Meg Harrison, owner of blackwingfarms.com. I want to welcome you here with three promises. You will, number one, learn something new in every episode. Two, smile at least once. Three, be amazed by the people you will hear sharing on this podcast. Now, get ready to engage. Yeah. Is it? There you go. Absolutely. Okay. Here we are. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. There's, a, there's a tail wagon in the middle. I love it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We have a new star. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Besides Glenn, we have a new star. <laughs> oh my gosh. Glenn Pierce, Canab, Utah. So happy to have you here. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Good, 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 good. And Tess, my dear, how are you, hon? Good morning. Great, great, great. I can't wait to talk about the subject that Glenn's going to bring up, especially during the holidays. So thank you, Glenn, for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Yes. And speaking of, yeah, speaking of which, right, we were, you know, immediately talking about, you know, gifting, gifting puppies uh, or even dogs. But, you know, let's... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, you just ignore him. He's fine. Oh my yeah. gosh. Or, or uh, um, let's see. And I, what I said too, you know, puppies. I mean, adult dogs who think they're puppies. So, um, but Glenn, mm -hmm. you know, let's let's jump right in because this is the mm -hmm. time of year where people do give gifts of dogs. And tell us, tell us your thoughts about that. What do you think? Giving gifts of gifting a dog. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Don't do it as a surprise. Okay. Talk to, yeah. the, talk to the recipient first and make sure that they um, agree that it's a good idea. Unless, unless it's a, like say, for example, a child, uh, you know, and the parents themselves are going to raise the puppy mm -hmm. anyway. And they're, they're getting the puppy as a family dog. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important for whoever it is that um, is going to be responsible for that puppy uh, through puppyhood and, um, you know, the, the rest of the dog's life to, to know for sure that the puppy's coming, to be ready, and, and uh, to um, uh, to know potential, well, the, the, the actual costs involved in terms of time and money. Let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about some time and let's talk about money because I'll be very honest, and I don't know if you two know this, I probably haven't had a puppy in 35 years, literally mm -hmm. 35 years because mm -hmm. of the commitment. I don't have yeah. that. I don't have that level of commitment. Right. I really don't. So even the I commitment guess, of adopting uh, not a puppy. I mean, right? so let's talk about like what happens when they they get the puppy or the dog and they bring it home. What are they supposed to be expecting time wise, schedule wise? Like this is what people really need to know before they do it. So yes. what well, do you think? Let me just say that, that there there is a, a study that done by Penn State that puts the average cost of um, the first year of a puppy's life at about three thousand dollars. Whoa! Um, if you're wow. lucky, and there's no medical if problems. If you're lucky, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, if if, if you're lucky, and there's no medical problems, but that does include about six hundred dollars uh, of of vet care. Six hundred um, of vet care. Okay. And what else? Mm -hmm. How does Penn State break? The other thing is extrapolate to the lifetime of a dog, and you could be looking at twenty five thousand dollars. Also, if you're mm -hmm. lucky, mm -hmm. uh, spent over the lifetime of a dog. Mm -hmm. And that actually doesn't sound like a whole lot to me, actually. Because <laughs> I, I've, had some, I've had some vet bills that vet bills that actually added up to close to that. But right. uh, I think yeah. in terms of 
the average um, amount of, of resources that uh, your average person would put into uh, taking care of a dog. That's that's what uh, that study showed. So I'd say, first of all, understand the financial costs. Um, and maybe, you know, if you're planning on give, gifting a puppy to someone that's not expecting it, maybe plan on giving them $30,000 as well that they can put in <laughs> Oh my God! That's brilliant. That would be the only really responsible way to do it. Absolutely. Um, and maybe throw in an extra ten grand for you know for pet sitting. <clears throat> so um, what about and dog training? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so um, that's so it's it's a um, it's not a small financial commitment commitment to mm -hmm. say the least. Mm -hmm. And depending on. Um, the, the recipients means it may or may not, may not even be be possible. So that's a really important thing to, to consider. And it's a really critical reason to make sure that whoever it is that's receiving the dog as a gift uh, or whoever's adopting a dog in the first place too, because there are people that actually voluntarily adopt the dog and um, are kind of oblivious as to the time and expense that's involved, especially with a puppy. So that it's, it's really important for whoever it is that's, um, taking that dog on or the puppy or the adult dog to understand uh, that financial cost. And then of course there is the, um, the time commitment. And now what you actually spend your time on varies over the, over the course of the dog's life. Um, but I like to say that on average, a healthy adult dog needs about two hours of exercise a day. Okay. So that let's, means. let's go there because I love that. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk also, I know it's really important for mental exercise. And then we talked about socialization. So those are right. kind of three different things, right? So please tell right. us more well, about that. Big picture. Um, big picture that is over the course of the dog's life. Again, I, I, I would like to say that you're looking at at least a, a commitment and time commitment about a couple hours a day. And, now, I know that there are dog guardians who don't spend that much time uh, taking care of their dogs, and the dogs do okay, um, but I think it's a good idea to use that as an estimate uh, just on the outside so that, you know, just in case the dog turns out to have a lot of um, uh, exercise and enrichment requirements that they're ready for it. Um, when it comes to an adult dog, yes, I mean, of course, depending on the type of dog, uh, there are some dogs that don't require very much exercise at all, and they might be just fine with being a couch potato for most of the day and going for a half an hour walk once or twice a day. But again, I think um, dogs vary by individual, even if you know the dog's genetics would tend to, to, to say that the dog is a relatively um, a low exercise kind of dog, then you know it, it could that you know the, the, the dog that you take on could be an individual that happens to have genetics that <laughs> require more exercise. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a really important thing to remember. So I do it. Yeah, I think, I think that's, this is my own um, time estimate. It's not, it's not based on any research or anything like that. Um, and I haven't seen any research that actually tabulates that probably because there's such a variation between um, the age of the dog and the type of the dog. But let's but talk I, about, I just, let me interrupt you right now and ask you how many years experience do you have? So let's talk about that. That that's the I, proof I, in the pudding. I've been training dogs for 12 years. Okay. And so how many, can we put a number on that? How many dogs have you influenced or owners? Thousands. I Thousands. No, exactly. I That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, you know, you're the, you're the study. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't, uh, right. Okay. Okay. So fair enough. Um, but it's anecdotal still. I like, the thing is that that the very best dog, um, management is going to be based on animal science behavior, uh, animal, Mm -hmm. animal behavior science and just Mm -hmm. animal science, obviously Mm -hmm. uh, from a health and and behavior, a physical and behavioral health standpoint. And so I I do like to back up with most of what I say with, uh, with research. So, but the thing is that when, when, um, you start off with a puppy, uh, the expenditure was because puppies can't by definition have as much exercise as say a young adult dog, because both, because they don't, they don't have the capacity for it and it's probably not healthy for them. Their, their growth plates have to, um, develop before they can run it for any significant periods of time. And that happens sometime after the age of year. Depending on the, the about it after so an age of about a year, depending on the breed. So to be safe. Consult your veterinarian um, and ask your veterinarian okay. how much your, your dog can handle, how much exercise you think mm-hmm. your dog based on that's genetics and, um, you know, and, and size and so forth can handle. Okay. So um, because yeah. sometimes, and I've got to say, you know, sometimes I hear that's, you know, that's the rebounding thing. People say, well, I need to exercise them because they're chewing up the house or mm-hmm. they're, you know, going through these other behaviors. And so they exercise them. We've got those two rebound effects. We've got a terrible rebound effect, possibly on physical health later on, tendons, ligaments, etc. Like you said, but then we've right. also got a rebound effect, don't we, of uh, the energy expended that you know when they get home, they tell me about that. They don't necessarily yeah, calm down. On the part of the of the guardian, you mean, or the puppy? <laughs> that too, but the puppy, yeah, <laughs> the, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, okay. they nap, etc. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the, the thing about puppies is they spend most of their time sleeping. Young puppies mm-hmm. do anyway. Okay. Um, and okay. so it's not, like, it's not like you have to worry about getting your puppy out and running them around. Because when it comes to an adult dog, the old axiom that a tired dog is a good dog is true. Mm-hmm. A dog that's really physically tired is going to tend to be um, much more behaviorally manageable in, in ways that most people consider that, you know, behavioral, you know, behaviorally manageable. Um, puppies, on the other hand, have different time requirements. First of all, there's house training. Um, and house training does require a lot of time and vigilance. Um, and so you do need to commit to spending a fair amount of time house training a puppy. And if you do it right, you can usually have the puppy house trained within a couple of weeks. So, but for the first couple of weeks, or at least a couple of weeks, maybe a month of the puppy's um, um, adoption in your home, that's where much of your time and attention is going to go. Can you now, walk course, us through that? Walk us through your philosophy on yeah. that. What's the best practice? Um, house training? Yes, well, please. A uh, uh, basic house training plan requires management, first of all. And that means confining the puppy or adult dog, because adult dogs sometimes need to be house trained too. When you can't watch them, confine them so that um, they basically don't have room to pee or poop. That dogs will instinctively not soil the area that they uh, that they sleep in. Now there are some there are some exceptional behavior you know exceptions to that where um, you know a dog will actually soil a crate even if they have to lie in it. But those are those are the exceptions that prove the rule. And in those cases, you really should work with a, an experienced behavior professional to help house train that dog. But okay. um, for the most part, you want to manage the dog so that when you're not around, you can't keep an eye on them. They're, they're confined in a space that doesn't allow that, that, you know, won't, where they will not likely soil. 
And then when you are around, you have to be paying constant attention and getting the puppy out as frequently as possible, taking the puppy outside mm -hmm. as frequently as possible. Um, that might be in some cases every five minutes. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're having some trouble with house training the puppy, you need to get the puppy outside um, often enough to preempt accidents. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And if you see the puppy, and as I say, whenever I talk, whenever I say puppy in this case, it can also mean an adult dog that just mm -hmm. hasn't been properly house trained. Um, but when you see, for example, the puppy sniffing around and you think that it might be likely that the puppy's going to pee or poop, take them outside um, or just, again, pre preemptively take them outside. If, it, if they haven't been outside in a few minutes, a half mm -hmm. an hour, something like that, let them You're frozen. Oh, okay. oh, there you go. On the spot, immediately on the spot, as soon as they're done, lots of praise and a super good food reward. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, yeah. Do you believe in, you know, possibly starting even back then? I know that service dogs, you know, so often they're trained to, to pee on command, basically, you know, good potty now or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that when they're in the airport or in class with their, with their person, uh, do you believe in starting to cue back then when they're puppies? Not mm -hmm. that early. Okay. No, tell I, I tell think, me. Well, I think, I, I think the priority for most people at least should be at that point, just getting it right in terms of where the puppy should learn, you know, this appropriate place to pee and poop. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you can't put, you, you can't put that on cue, but I will tell you that most people don't. Um, it can be really convenient when, yeah, you are traveling and you stop at a rest stop, for example, and mm -hmm. you need to um, have your dog go basically before you get back in the car. Yeah. And, um, and, and so, yes, that can be done and f people frequently do it. Uh, in fact, most of the time, what most people do is they just kind of develop it over time um, and uh, they can, you know, they don't intentionally train the cue, but uh, mm -hmm. they, they, they sort of develop the capture the behavior and develop it over time without realizing it. But mm -hmm. you can also actually train the dog to do it. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't start doing that until the puppy is solid about um, making sure that they they understand where the proper place to, to, to eliminate is. Okay, and 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 that kind of brings me to like a little bit more quote you know um, further training, meaning so in other words, just let a puppy be a puppy, and um, as I used to say in the horse world, you know, make the 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 right thing easy, mm -hmm. and maybe the wrong pottying in the house make that a little more difficult. You know, give well, them access. Exactly Go ahead. Uh, that's exactly what the management does then. So making eliminating in the house more difficult includes, first of all, again, confining or creating a dog when you can't be around at all. Okay. And then when you are around um, as frequently as possible, pay close attention to what the dog is doing. And, um, and again, you're going to learn over time because there are going to be accidents. It's the other thing you have to realize that you're going to have to accept the fact that there's going to be accidents. Yeah. And that might mean that, that, Confining the puppy to a place where easy cleanups um, are possible is yes. a good idea. So yes. Find the puppy to the kitchen. Um, you know when when you are not crating them so that if they do have an accident, it's easier to clean up. And of course, when they have an accident, what's also probably paramount is not punishing the dog, that is Absolutely. yelling at them, hurting them, scaring them, even startling or intimidating mm -hmm. them. Because, um, well, you never want to do that ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're puppies, different. and the confinement but, too. But, Right, but but dogs in general, any animal for that matter, it's it's uh, it, 
But what animal behavior science tells us is that is the highest risk way to, to, to train an animal, and that includes humans as well. So what you want to do is, is work with rewards. So when, when an accident happens, don't say anything. Come and get the puppy outside and uh, right away. And if they have to eliminate any further, that's when you do your reward thing again. Mm -hmm. uh, but then just clean it up with a good enzymatic cleaner, the accident that is, and, um, and then monitor more closely. And the things what accidents are going to do are give you an idea of what the intervals of um, yeah. that particular puppy is capable mm -hmm. of, of, mm -hmm. of managing before they have to go again. And you might learn that your puppy can hold, um, you know, hold it in for, for half an hour at a time. You might learn that there, the accidents are frequent and intermittent enough that you might have to take the dog, the puppy again outside every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and so mm -hmm. again, though, again, that's, that's the time, that's the big time commitment when you have a, a, a new puppy, um, but it's going to pay off and it's only for about a couple weeks. I know people that actually take two weeks or three weeks off of mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. when they first get a puppy. Yeah. So that they can be there for that training, but also, you know, to have the puppy be around them a lot so that they mm, establish yeah. a relationship yep. and begin the yep. socialization yep. process. It's time. Time, and time, time is so important. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you snuck in a word that's very important. Enzymatic cleaner. <laughs> Enzyme. <laughs> Got to get those enzymes, right? The, yeah. the Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. very important because if we just use, quote, Windex, terrible, terrible, mm -hmm. salt, but, you know, or something like that, it, we have to uh, address the enzymes, right? That are enzymes. In the especially, if mm -hmm. porous, especially if it's on a porous surface. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like yeah. Or even wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they will remark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go ahead, Tess. I'm sorry. Oh, I just want to say I love that because we're talking about also like if they're possibly in a small area or crate training and people coming in and the puppy had an accident, that just gives you more of an idea that your time frame was too long Good. and that we need to be there. Like I really agree. Like that two week off is ideal. It should be required for anyone getting a new puppy or a dog. I really feel that for you to learn their schedule and to be able to work your schedule to that. It's not the other way around. So we want to be able to be able to take them out as, as much as they need to go out. Training them as a puppy or as an adult or a new dog coming in is so important. I feel that also like if they're if they're partying in the crate, you know, a lot of times um, people get those new puppies and they didn't give them that much time. Um, and it might not be behavioral, but it's because they really had to go. And mm. God bless them. They had nowhere else to go but in the crate. So yeah. Like Lynn said, time is the most important gift we can give that new dog coming home for sure. I wish we could require a two-week program for all humans to, to bring home a new dog two weeks. <laughs> At least brilliant. Two weeks. Brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And they do change behavior when they get home, even if we're getting mm -hmm. a, a dog out of a shelter. You know, the behavior that we see in the shelter or the schedule is not what we might get the first five days at home, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. here's something that, that Glenn had touched on when we were oh. talking before, the first night. Seriously, oh, walk us through that one because, yeah. uh, you know, day two, that's that's when we, <laughs> yeah, that's when the trouble starts. Well, I'd say for, for, for just for the sake of, I mean, just for argument's sake, it's a good idea to maybe not plan on sleeping that night. Uh, <laughs> right. I totally agree. It, I totally it depends. Agree. It depends a lot on the puppy and mm -hmm. the puppies, the pup, the individual puppy, the genetics, his or her, um, uh, where she is in terms of um, uh, socialization, because so, the socialization period begins at age three weeks, and okay. so 
and, and, and puppies really shouldn't be separated from their moms until they're eight weeks old. So socialization has to happen at the shelter or breeder, whatever the mm -hmm. case may be. Um, and uh, a lot of that has to happen uh, in order for the puppy to have an easier time once they do go home. And so it depends on how well the, the, the shelter or, or breeder, as oh, the case may be, good. Did, did work with the puppy before they, before they actually released them. And, uh, and again, by the way, eight weeks earliest. If a, if a breeder uh, tells you that they, they, they want to you know, adopt the puppy out at four or five weeks, even six weeks, that's unscrupulous. And there are some unscrupulous breeders that will also say that the puppy's actually older than they are because they want to keep that, they want to keep their production turnaround going basically. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but and so some of it's out of your hands because mm -hmm. you, you know, it, it'll depend on what the experience is. He hasn't spent a lot of time away from its mom and litter mates and hasn't had a lot of exposure to new places, new people, that type of thing. Then you're probably going to have a harder time because the puppy's going to cry. Um, when that happens, um, Take them outside, make sure they don't have to pee or poop, put them back and then ignore yeah. them. Because um, if you go over and take, pay attention to the puppy every time it cries, that's reinforcing the behavior they're just going to continue to do it. That's really okay. important. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And with phobias too, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely so incredibly emotionally traumatized that uh, they uh, might even begin to, they, they, they're, they're vocalizing in a way that you think is, um, is unhealthy or they even begin to hurt themselves trying to get out of their enclosure, mm -hmm. then that's another time to talk to a good uh, uh, evidence-based behavior mm -hmm. consultant. Um, but for the most part, if the puppy's been properly socialized, um, you want to have a crate that the puppy sleeps in, again, because the crate's supposed to be their safe, happy place. Mm -hmm. And you, you can have a crate in the bedroom. Some people, I, I know that they have a crate in both the bedroom and in the, um, in the, li in the main living area, mm -hmm. so the puppy can have safe places in both, you know, both kind of areas. Um, and, um, and then do whatever you can to keep the puppy comfortable. You can make, you can set the, set up the bed so that it has the crate. So it has nice bedding inside. Um, you know, there are heated beds that you can use for, for puppies and, and dogs and cats even that, that um, will help the puppy feel more like, I mean, remember up until that night, that puppy spent most of its nights sleeping in a big pile on top of his mm -hmm. mom. You know, I got to go old school right now and, and give my mother a shout out because my mother used to use a hot water bottle and yeah. a ticking clock, mm -hmm. a ticking clock. And yeah. A, a really, yeah, she she was awesome with those puppies. So please go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then do the best you can. I mean, well, no, I should, why should rephrase that? Um, work together with the puppy because understand that the puppy is, it's a, his world is basically turned upside down and um, <clears throat> patience is, well, patience is, is honestly probably the most important, important factor throughout the life of a dog when it comes to what a human needs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so um, sometimes the puppies will sleep through the night, mm -hmm. um, some you know, on the first night. Other times, again, they'll, they'll cry all night long. And again, in that case, um, it's really just important to make sure they're not distressed in any way, make sure they don't have to pee or poop, uh, make sure they're warm enough. And um, the crate, by the way, should be always large enough for the puppy or dog to stand up and turn around. That's mm -hmm. really important. Yes. Um, yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then um, don't reinforce the crying by responding to the puppy. Certainly don't go over when the puppy's crying, take them out of the crate and put them in the bed with you. Because oh. that's just. I, I think that's so tempting. And then I get to go to bed with a human. And that's fine, but you know, that that's not always the best idea mm -hmm. um, to start with. 
Mm-hmm. So um, it will never stop. <laughs> right, right. Well, and mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I certainly don't mind it when when my dogs and cats sleep with me, but I think it, again, it's it's important for the puppy to learn that the crate is a safe, happy place where they can relax. Mm-hmm. No, that's important. Yeah, mm-hmm. great management tool. Um, but it's also really important for house training. Yes, yes, yes. And future and the future, because like, mm-hmm. as, as we all know, we've all been there, you know, rescues, emergencies, getting to the vet and back. I mean, you know, we need to be able to move them. Now, I've always had huge dogs. I've always had, you know, 120, 130 pound dogs. So, you know, it's kind of like the, the crater, the kennel already has to be in the truck in order mm-hmm. to get them in there. But so many times we need to just pick up that crate and move quickly. Yeah. Good yeah. I mean, fires, floods, we've record, been there. For the record, I think it's the American Shelter Vet Association that, that essentially mandates the use of a crate whenever transporting any kind of animal. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. the only really safe way to do it, a secured crate. Uh, now, of course, I think probably, uh, if I had to guess, that maybe five or six percent of people actually do that when they transport their dogs. Mm-hmm. But um, the safest way by far of transporting any dog or cat is in a secured crate in mm-hmm. the vehicle. Inside um, the vehicle, not outside, not, not again, old school pickup trucks. No, oh, right. no, 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 I've seen that. And we've all seen that. And there's not enough right. bungee cords in the world to secure that. And again, you know, you're in, you're in country where, you know, we use the dogs for hunting or for whatever. And no, you cannot do that. So, yeah. Um, but really, I mean, my crates were massive. Thank God I had a big you know, <laughs> second cab, you know, super cab. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, and then yeah. say, after the first night, really, is what you want to do is look for trends because you want it to you want the second night to be a little easier than the first night and so forth. Understanding that you might have you might have to backtrack or lose ground once in a while, mm-hmm. but watch your say two week trend, and um, by the end of two weeks, uh, you want to be doing a lot better than you did the first night, obviously. And if you're not, or even at the end of one week, if you feel like things are only getting worse, again, that's a good time to then consult an evidence-based behavior professional. And and reassess, mm-hmm. reassess mm-hmm. everything. But for the most part, people are going to, are going to um, see a, a very good trend as long as they, as long as they um, uh, properly house train the puppy and, and reinforce the behaviors that they want. Perfect, perfect. Glenn, I can't believe it. We've already talked for 26 minutes. So uh, in the last couple enough. of minutes, I know, mm-hmm. here we go, part one, <laughs> I hope. Um, but we talked, about early socialization what can people do that is easy accessible etc that will get done okay what can First we do all, send your puppy up for a puppy socialization class okay no, no bones about it tessie we're talking about you know how uh, we should make it a requirement for some people to do certain things <laughs> when they adopt a dog or a puppy well um i think that should be a legal prerequisite yes. <laughs> we could um, get that started glenn and i have a project now <laughs> That's right. We're going to have a legislative legislative action committee. Woo, I see but, it. I uh, see it coming. Do it. Yeah, you guys, you can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but sign them up for a puppy socialization class because even then, th- there are really a lot of people that can probably understand how to socialize their puppy on their own. But you're not going to have a better chance to have your puppy meet lots of new people and other puppies for you know other puppies that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Get their dog socialization skills. Um, really honed while they're young. That way they'll they'll always, well, they'll be more likely to always feel comfortable under their dogs, be less likely to be reactive or to be uh, a, a dog that doesn't get along with, with other dogs. They'll they'll meet uh, new people. 
in a structured environment where the puppies, the, the important thing about a good puppy socialization class, and again, this is something an experienced uh, evidence-based trainer would do, that is a trainer that, that works only um, uh, through established principles of uh, um, good animal behavior science. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what they'll do is set up, set up the class in a way that's structured so that the puppies always feel safe, which is the most important thing to do. You wanna have them experiencing all these new things but feel safe while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, the puppy socialization period, well, the, the big studies say it only goes up to about age 12 weeks, but I think it's, and, and actually probably better to say it goes up to somewhere between 16 and 20 weeks. So until you nice. hit that 12 to 20 week mark, you wanna make sure that you've um, packed in as many great new experiences uh, in a way that feels safe and happy to the mm -hmm. puppy. And so, uh, and safe and happy means always having the puppy look like they're happy. They don't, they're not stressed. Their, you know, their body language is good. And understanding body language also, by the way, is a really, really important skill for any uh, good dog guardian to know. Uh, and there are some really good um, resources for that online and, and books about it as well. But, um, but always have the puppy feeling safe. And then also um, have all these new things they're going to experience, uh, which include all kinds of new people. All shapes and sizes, ages, clothes, beards, hats, glasses, um, and uh, new places. Um, take the puppy uh, for you know a walk. Carry the puppy around if they're super super young. Don't put them down in a park where a lot of adult dogs are until they've had their. Oh, you just read uh, my mind. Okay. Vaccinations, yeah. mm -hmm. and that's the other thing too. Actually, there are some veterinarians, old school veterinarians, that will tell you never to let a puppy interact with any other dogs, even if they're they're puppies. Uh, until they've had their full rounds of vaccinations, which mm -hmm. are somewhere around six months. The American um, um, Veterinary Society of Animal Behavior, uh, which, which are veterinarians that specialize in behavior, basically say the risk of contracting a disease, as long as the puppy is around other puppies that are uh, appropriately vaccinated mm -hmm. and adult dogs too, is much, much less than the risk of, of, of missing out on that early socialization. So get your puppy out, Get them to a good puppy socialization class. That classroom is always going to be clean so that the, yeah. the risk yeah. of pathogen transmission is, mm. is low. The uh, the people that are guiding the class are always going to, first of all, work in ways where the puppies feel safe. But then they're also going to do things like um, do all kinds of things that are going to increase the puppy's experiences. Pass the puppy is one of my favorite ones where um, you st the, the, the people all sit in a circle and they hold each puppy for a few seconds, feed them some food, and then pass them to the next person. Oh, and what that puppy's learning is that the, that the that not only is being handled by a bunch of different people safe, but it's also happy because, and this goes for any other experience too, it's followed immediately by something really yummy. Mm -hmm. um, so that they develop a, they develop a, condition, a conditioned response where, wow, when this happens, handling, meeting other puppies, uh, going to the vet, being startled, maybe for example, mm -hmm. start, mm -hmm. some mild startles and have the puppy learn that mild startle is, uh, is not only scary, but it actually results in a piece of food. Um, <laughs> there's all kinds of things and you can even take a take puppies for car rides. It's really important. Mm -hmm. Anything that that dog Oh, the car ride's good. Mm -hmm. like. mm -hmm. And then, uh, leash walks too, by the way, leash walks are a big thing. And, um, and in the puppy socialization class there, the, the, the people running the class are going to optimize all those, they're going to present and optimize all those experiences, meeting strangers, handling by strangers, meeting other dogs, playing with other dogs, um, uh, you name it. Again, uh, any kind of stimulus, brushing the dog, grooming the dog, maybe mm -hmm. even some medical husbandry. 
Um, you know, a good idea is sometimes to take your puppy to the veterinarian, even when they don't have an appointment, check with your veterinarian okay. first, of course, take them in, have <laughs> everybody, the groomer. be all, all, all happy about the puppy, give them all kinds of treats, give them all kinds of praise, bring them into the exam room, put them on the table, do a little handling, maybe even touch them with some metal, metal instruments, mm -hmm. and then feed them, feed them, feed them so that their, their first and only experiences at the vet are in scary strangers poking them with all kinds of weird things. That's so important. Um, so important. And uh, so, so yeah, and, and in a good puppy socialization class, sometimes the, the, the people running the class will even include those things. They'll have veterinary um, implements there so that you can start off having your puppy feel comfortable with medical treatment early on. And then, um, you know, Dr. Ian Dunbar has this, uh, this famous mnemonic where he says 12 by 12 so that your puppy has, um, you know, experiences with 12 different things uh, by, the, by the age of uh, 12 different instances of each thing by the time they're age 12, 12 different strangers, 12 different puppies, you know, other puppies. Now you mean by the time they're 12, 12 weeks. 12 weeks, yes, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Now, I don't think that 12 is, is, is adequate, actually. I think puppies should, by the time they're 12 to 16 weeks old, they should have met dozens, if not hundreds of two people, if it's possible. Um, the more, the better, basically. Mm. Again, always in a way that feels safe and happy to the puppy. And... Um, I don't remember what exactly the the the, um, the, tw the twelve things were, but um, they're, they're, they include obviously strangers, uh, other puppies, um, uh, new places, mm -hmm. uh, maybe you know car rides of, of differing um, uh, intervals, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of things. If you just look up Ian Dunbar's twelve by twelve, you'd, you'd see what his recommendations are, and I think that's a good guideline. Except twelve is not enough. Maybe do 20, 50, you know, 100 even, mm -hmm. um, because you can't under socialize a puppy as long as you're doing it right, which means the puppy's always going to feel safe. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, you can't over socialize a puppy. That's, sorry, very yeah. important difference. Yeah. Yeah. As long yeah. as that puppy feels safe, um, as many different experiences as you can give that puppy are going to result in a dog that's much, much easier to manage and handle. And everybody's going to have a better time, including you and the dog. Mm -hmm. So committing to really, really good early socialization during that socialization period is critical. That's why they call it the critical socialization period. And so you need to make sure that you have the time and resources necessary to give that puppy as many of those opportunities to learn that the world is a safe, happy place. All these new experiences that they're going to have are, are safe and happy. If you miss that socialization period, um, then the puppy is likely going to grow up to be a fearful dog. Fearful dogs are shy or aggressive. That's what fear is. They don't call it fight mm -hmm. or flight for no reason. And fearful dogs, shy or aggressive dogs are some of the dogs that are hardest to work with and some of the dogs that are hardest to keep in a home. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and that, is so important. Right. And Dr. Dunbar, uh, I love that you gave him a shout out. And uh, we can always practice our happy dance early in the puppy. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dunbar's got the happy dance where you dance backwards and you encourage yes. your puppy or dog to come yeah. yeah, with you and dance, but backing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's super cool that because I, I, that handling that critical time period, especially um, later in life, if they're not, if they don't have that in the beginning and you're in a situation where you need to go to the vet, you're taking the dog in who's not, I mean, having um, rescue dogs that I have myself, and not being able to touch them, the vet, not being able, it's it's so difficult because they can ha they have medical problems. They're not they're not able to be handled. 
So I love the vet idea. I actually, as a groomer, had I have clients, if they're new puppies, I actually set appointments for them to come in just to be handled um, without being groomed. I, I think those ideas are so key for those, those two main people that might be uh, permanent in their life too. So the vet and the groomer are super top of my list for puppies to get. Right. Get in. If, you if you don't actually do the grooming or the, mm -hmm. the medical procedures at those times when you're doing the dry runs, at least introduce the implements. Mm -hmm. another, another thing that some people like to do is to start exposure to the Dremel very early. Yes, the right, Tess. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We just love the sounds, sounds and feeding, right. sounds and feeding, sniffing, a, um, sniffing a brush, feeling the brush. Right. The veterinarian as a um, always been a challenge for my my dogs. I, I don't have puppies, but the rescues and just getting them to see a stranger as uh, you know that's going to be more uh, of a dominant figure too. And and the the smells and the vet. I mean, all of that is such key key advice. I love that. I think those two top people are super important though, and all that socialization. So uh, Meg, one what, what what last thing I'll mention also, guys, yeah. is that when a puppy's very very young. Is a really great time to begin introducing them to having your teeth brushed, mm, and that's okay. mm -hmm. But you know, if your dog is comfortable having his or her teeth brushed, then they're going to be far less likely to have dental disease, and dental disease is is the cause of so mm. many uh, yeah. veterinary problems, and even even infection and death in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, veterinarians will uh, dental veterinarians will recommend that you brush your dog's teeth every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they say it's important to brush your dog's teeth every day. So if you start that when they're just puppies, and again, it would just be a very short session, maybe even showing them the toothbrush to start with, putting some, I don't know, liverwurst or something delicious on the toothbrush cream and then having cheese, them. Right? Yes, cream cheese. Yeah. And working mm -hmm. up to the point where, you know, where, where they, they're comfortable having your teeth brushed for a minute or two every day could actually extend the life of your pet. I hold love on that. to that. I hold that. on to yeah. that toothbrush though, right? Yeah, I, hold on to know, that toothbrush very well. Yeah. And even <laughs> if it's not a toothbrush, <laughs> um, just putting your finger, you know, just putting your finger in that puppy's mouth and letting them, um, allowing you to massage their gum, that's mm -hmm. a whole step forward. I, yeah. I love, the teeth yeah. is a big deal to me. I, I'm yeah. super glad yeah. you brought that up because. You know, and, and one last thing, Glenn, because you mentioned about, you know, safe and happy. You said that a couple of times and that's, I mean, I am all over that. Actually, we're renaming the book and we're going to talk about feeling safe, sound and happy. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's huge about that. So safe and happy. And you talked about other people, um, behaviorists, mentors, teachers, who would you like to give a shout out to as we close? Because, uh, you know, safe and happy, you already mentioned Dr. Dunbar. And but but who else and maybe who you've learned from or who you continue to learn from? Who? Well, Gene Donaldson is my mentor. Who's that? Uh, huh? Who? I'm sorry, Gene Donaldson. Donaldson. Gene Donaldson. Okay. Gene Donaldson. Well, she's she's very very well known in dog behavior communities. And yeah. She's uh, mm -hmm. she's one of the she's like I'd say by now one of the community elders in a <laughs> in a didactic sense, not yes. in an age sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but she uh, tremendous influence on me because when I when I started training dogs, I was using some aversives. <clears throat> I was using things like pinch collars, um, and uh, I read Gene Donaldson's book, The Culture Clash, which is, by the way, Tess, another thing that we're going to have in our uh, in our puppy law that and that should be the book required for every single okay. dog. Culture, what's it called? Culture. Um, 
I am going to hold you to this. Okay, yes. Glenn. Okay. It is, I think it's the, it's the best, most comprehensive and accessible book about, a uh, complete book about um, dog behavior that, that, uh, that, that, that there is out there. Um, and that I think that if every, every dog person really read that book and, and paid attention to it, then life would be a lot better and easier, not only for the dog, but also for the people. Wow. I think hey, we can that people down in the, in the, in the, when, they're, when they're getting their puppy or they're adopting and have them go through this whole program. And oh. like a driving <laughs> test, you can pass a test, you, you know, know written, written and, and physical. You two are going to be the best <laughs> lobbyists on Capitol Hill. I'm serious. You're going to get the law. I know changed. it sounds funny, but I'm so serious about this. Oh, so, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's oh my brilliant. Gosh, I gotta, we got to invite Glenn back because there's just not enough oh, time. Gosh, yeah. There's oh so my much gosh, more yeah. to talk about. Right? I yeah, hope I'm sorry we're running a little long today, guys. Oh, my gosh, Glenn. You, oh, you doggy were wonderful. <laughs> you were wonderful. And we didn't even scratch the surface. I didn't even I get to my list of questions yet. So I know. will you come back, part two? I'd be happy Oh, okay. oh, that'd be great, honey. Yeah, oh, wait, not, yeah. Houston, how can, if people have questions of you, either locally in Kanab, Utah, or universally, how can we get in touch with you? What's your website? My website is powerpuppy.net. Um, my, yeah, my, my, my own training business is, is uh, Power Puppy Behavior and Training. It's an odd name, I know, but it was named after uh, one of my very, very best friends. <laughs> and oh, uh, it's, it's uh, it's, a, it's, it's not the most intuitive name, but it actually um, is very memorable. So, yes, Power Puppy, just the way it sounds, mm -hmm. .net is my website, and you can, <laughs> you can contact me through the website. Perfect. Perfect. Video. Maybe we'll have you with a litter of puppies next time. Not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Penny was here. Thanks for the um, Penny appearances, too. Those were yeah, thank you. Thank yes, you so yeah, much. Penny. Penny. Yeah, thank you, hon. Thank you. All right, Glenn, we're going to sign okay. off. Bye, Tess. See you soon. Bye, you Bye. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. Thanks, thank everybody. You. Bye. Thank Bye. you. We hope you enjoyed yourself and learned something new to share with your friends. Get in touch through this podcast or at blackwingfarms.com and let us know how we can help you or one of your precious animals. Please subscribe. We're new here and need the numbers. Explore Blackwing Farms for more information about using natural remedies and techniques to improve behavioral health in all situations. If you shop, use a discount code, Animals Inside Out, at checkout. One word, same as this podcast, Animals Inside Out. Until next time, take care and remember to play.